Hello and welcome to Nutrition 411, the podcast, a special podcast series led by registered dietitian and nutritionist Lisa Jones. The views of the speakers are their own and do not reflect the views of their respective institutions or Consultant 360. Hello and welcome to Nutrition 411, the podcast where we communicate the information that you need to know now about the science, psychology, and strategies behind the practice of dietetics. Today's podcast is part of a series of episodes on diabetes technology featuring a Q&A with Liv Lean Gill and Rachel Stahl Salzman. Welcome, Liv Lean and Rachel. Thanks so much for having us. I'm excited about this episode. I want to take a moment to introduce each of you first. So I will start with Livleen Gill. Livleen is a president and CEO of Apostle Group LLC, a consulting company that provides innovative solutions to clients in healthcare, food, and nutrition. She's also the CEO of Wholesome Village Company in Rockville, Maryland. Previously, she was a private practice nutrition consultant for more than 20 years and food and nutrition services director and outpatient dietitian at healthcare centers in Maryland. She will serve as the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics president in 2024 to 2025 year. Next, I want to introduce Rachel. Rachel is a registered dietitian and diabetes care and education specialist in the division of endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism at while Cornell Medicine in New York City. Rachel is passionate about empowering individuals to make sustainable lifestyle changes and leverage diabetes technology and digital health to improve their health and quality of life. All right. Well, thank you both, Rachel and Liv Lean, for joining me for our discussion today on artificial intelligence. And it seems like this is a topic that everyone is discussing. You can't go a day without somebody talking about how they were on chat GPT or there's a new, you just, there's so many things coming out. It's hard to keep up with everything. So my question is, how can AI be used to improve diabetes care and education? This is absolutely such an exciting field that we're continuing to see evolve and evolve. And so I think it has many different use cases that can be applied And keep in mind that AI has been used and is still being used in a lot of diabetes technology already. So I think some areas, and Livlene could add here, where it can be used are certainly in the nutrition realm. We could use it for meal planning support to help inform the people we care for how to eat healthfully, how to understand their meal plan if they have certain allergies or or dietary restrictions. And we could use these large language models like ChatGPT to help us design it. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time if they might already exist, like specific nutrition related ones that are able to pull the appropriate data sets to make it as accurate as possible. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of those concerns there. So I think the nutrition side can be really helpful and something that I use very often in helping with that. Some another area that I've been following is AI in screening and diagnostics in diabetes, and specifically in the realm of AI being used to help detect eye issues. So there's been a lot of published research with AI and retinopathy in an AI system being able to actually identify identify a form of diabetic retinopathy in a person. And this has so many amazing implications because there's a shortage of eye doctors to review it. And and this is helping in so much ways improve efficiencies. So those would be just two short examples. And we'll see where Livleen goes from here. 
Well, I think Rachel touched upon a whole lot. So from the nutrition side, absolutely the, you know, the diet monitoring, the education piece of it, and how to use that for how do we predict and personalize that for the individual. I think that would be where AI would be a big help. And I, and as Rachel touched upon, it's still there. It, it There are some areas that it is still, it's helping us. But I think the machine learning part of the AI, which is now what AI is, I think that is the piece that um, we'll know more about it and it as it becomes more accurate to predict and help with personalization of the services. The other thing is what Rachel alluded to with the retinopathy, and I'll say it's the screening, population kind of screening and being able to predict who is going to develop certain condition or diseases. I think with AI's predictor model, that where it starts to help clinically, I think it would really do wonders for having a shortage of providers. I think AI's help in that would be very crucial. So those are my data points. And they're excellent. There's just so many advances. I'm curious, have you started to see in hospital settings and I know in some companies, they're doing this already, like in the pharmaceutical industry, their information is proprietary. So they've created their own gen AI that they're using, basically, that then you can kind of upload, like whether it's the the PI for the drug or whatever they're working on so that they're, st- they're not putting, like their employees have to sign off on a policy and then can't put it someplace else, like in the regular chat GPT. So have you noticed that? in the hospital coming like any any news about that that you may know that's interesting yeah i i think we need to be careful with data privacy so i i'm not surprised and i think that that is definitely an area that we need to be careful with for sure yeah i'm just curious like i, I i'm thinking like if the pharma industry has started it the hospitals are probably maybe working on it i was just curious if like any, anybody's heard anything but that's that's probably going to be next right <laughs> <laughs> another benefit that I think could be really helpful and that we are starting to see to help with diabetes care and overall for registered dietitian efficiencies is is my hope that AI is giving us the gift of time, right? I think that we're going to see AI helping with a lot of the administrative work. Maybe it could analyze a patient's intake form, providing us right at the time of the visit with some important key points to consider in our discussion. I think about how AI you know, when I look at a patient's food log on one app and their CGM data on another and maybe their pump data, you know, how could AI kind of put all those pieces together from the, all those different software and platforms into a way that can help summarize and, and guide me in helping support them to, like Levine said, ultimately provide more personalized recommendations to help in their treatment plan. Yes. And I love what you said, the gift of time. And I do want to add on to it that the gift of time, it does save time. Let's talk a little bit about the challenges. So there are some challenges that need to be addressed before artificial intelligence can be fully integrated into diabetes care and education. So do you want to talk a little bit about what some of those challenges are? Let's start with Livleen for this one. Sure, Lisa. Rachel actually alluded to one of the biggest ones is regarding data privacy, that the data that is collected and what are the things that we put in place to make sure that that data for those individual is one private HIPAA compliant. Then second thing is integration of AI into the clinical and digital workflows. 
again, Rachel alluded to that. How does it take all of this and in different disparate forms that we are getting, how does it come together for us to be able to make sense and provide the care that we that we need to to the patients? And the third one is legal challenges, you know, medical malpractice. How are the legal challenges? How is that going to get incorporated into this? And what are the implications of that? So those are my three challenges that I see in in, in incorporating AI into, into practice. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I agree with all three of them. But just as we've seen over the course of since AI rolled out, like just the advances in it, kind of like that example I was using within the pharma industry, I think that's how they, they're they they're overcoming some of these challenges. But I think we're going to get there. It's just going to take time. So really great points. Thank you, Livleen. How about you, Rachel? What are your thoughts on some of these challenges? I love those three, Livleen. It's really important and for, for dietitians listening to understand those different challenges. And I have three more. So we've got six total to kind of add here. I think about in the ways that I've practiced using some of these large language models is this idea of hallucinations. The idea that these large language models are producing output that might not exist, it could be incorrect or totally misleading. So therefore the human eye and really understanding and verifying the information that's coming from the outputs of these systems really needs to be looked at. For example, I was practicing with it using, uh, helping with a literature review for a research study. And I noticed that some of the information it provided, it even cited a research study that didn't exist, or at least, you know, in all my searching, and I, I feel like I have pretty good search skills, I could not find the article where they cited some information from. So we definitely need to be careful of that. The second one is around data quality. So I think I mentioned earlier, right, that these AI systems are built on specific data sets. And so are these comprehensive? Are they diverse? We don't fully know. And therefore, it could lead to incomplete or inaccurate data, which could then lead to a person maybe taking information that's flawed from, from the system. And then the third one is around the idea of biases, that these AI systems could have biases built in. And these biases could be from several different sources, um, one of which could be unconsciously. Maybe someone's building their own specific AI system and the founder, based on his or her own experiences or his or her own research, is, is putting in data to train the system that might not be truly comprehensive. So that could all lead to inconsistent and potentially biased results. Yes, they're additional. So now we have a total of six. But some of your points... <laughs> Like that really proves the need for the actual human RD to review the output of what the prompts are generating, right? I've seen that before too. Like when I put something in and I'm like, I've never seen that study. And then I had to go try to find the study, couldn't find it. And I was like, well, that's not even right. factual. With all this technology, all this AI, how do you stay up to date with everything diabetes technology? Because it just seems so overwhelming. I completely agree that it can be really hard to keep up with with all things technology. But the good news is that there are a lot of resources to help. So I'll share a couple here. Um, one of which, again, we're with a group of registered dietitians, is joining the Diabetes DPG. This is one of the largest dietetic practice groups of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. 
And as the chair of the Diabetes Technology Committee, my goal is to help make this information accessible, make this information easy to understand, and ability to access in multiple forms. We have a website, which even if you're not a member, you can go to and access our technology website. We also have webinars. We also produce different publications, one of which coming from our cutting-edge nutrition and diabetes care publication um, later this year. So there'll be a lot on AI. Um, additionally, as Livleen might agree to, going to conferences could be a great way. I, I love the ADCES annual conference and they have a dedicated separate conference just on diabetes technology where you can get your hands on some of these devices and certainly participate in so many different sessions available for you on that. And then online websites like the Panther Program, which is available at pantherprogram.org, has a variety of clinic tools, related to diabetes technology. They have a great insulin pump comparison chart, which I love. And I you know, share that with patients when they're talking about and interested in different pumps. We share it with other providers and they are constantly being up to date. And then also danatech.org. Um, and that's through ADCES where you could search different CGMs, insulin pumps, variety of other diabetes technology tools. Oh, wow, that's very comprehensive but it sounds like an excellent resource. And then I'm wondering too, just a quick follow-up question for you, Rachel. Do you think stuff is happening where you have to update this every month type thing? Is it happening that quickly or how how quick would you say things are coming out that you have to stay on top of? It could be monthly. You never, you never know with the field of diabetes, which certainly keeps it such an exciting field for sure. But again, I, I keep these websites saved on my browser. So periodically, you know, you could easily check it for the latest updates. You know, these resources are already pulling the most updated information. So you don't have to be searching, you know, in the blind web for, okay. for this information. That's really helpful to know, especially for those that are up and coming, trying to get into this field that feel like they have this really big learning curve where it's like, oh my goodness, how am I going to keep up with all this stuff where you're saying if you have the sites bookmarked, it's much easier. So thank you for that. Thank you for sharing all those resources. And then Livleen, what are, what are your thoughts? How, how do you stay up to date on all these things, diabetes technology? Well, for me, number one is the hands-on, which Rachel alluded to, uh, to going to conferences. So I like to really dedicate my time because during my workday, I don't get the time to follow up on, on these things. So I make sure at least once a year, I do attend a live conference. The second one, I would say the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics DPG, the diabetes DPG for which Rachel has the technology they do a really good job and the magazine to, you know, browse through and get a little update to see what's coming, what what's the latest. And the third one where I've done certain certificates is through ADCES, through Danatech. That's also a great place to do it. And then, you know, the, some of the journals that I, I get and the different reps that come through, you also learn from them what's coming down the pike. Those have been mostly, for me, my way of learning uh, about new technology. Thank you, Lillian. Thank you for sharing. And I think all those examples of, of how you're staying up to date are great for, uh, for others to hear too. And what I've learned from both of you, and I think what my biggest takeaway is, you never stop learning and there's always room to improve. And that's what these, the, all these resources are here to show us. This, that's what AI is teaching us. So Thank you for sharing that. And I do want to ask you one final question, and that is, what is your biggest takeaway from our AI discussion today? Let's I don't think we should be scared 
of AI that it's going to take away our job. I think what Rachel said, it's a gift of time. It's going to improve efficiency. It's going to improve the care we provide and more personalized care. You know, it's just like another way for us to improve the care that we deliver. Yes, I love that. And I also think of it kind of like it's the person sitting next to me, even though it's artificial intelligence, that's helping me. So it's like having another dietitian that's like helping work alongside of you. And what do you think, Rachel? Yeah, I completely agree. You know, AI has huge implications across health and medicine, and it's really made us start to rethink and reimagine how we practice. So I encourage all the listeners to try it out, practice, read up about it because it's here to stay. And like all of us are all sharing here, it's not there to replace us, but it can only be there to augment the care that we provide. So I'm really excited to see as it continues to develop and see where it goes to ultimately support the people we care for. Yes. And that's the main goal, right? To support the people that we care for. So thank you. Thank you both. Thank you, Liveline and Rachel for sharing your wisdom with us today on the subject of artificial intelligence and diabetes. Thank you. For more nutrition content, visit consultant360.com. 